Welcome to Fintech Direct, where we provide you the knowledge and expertise to give you the edge over your competition in the payments and fintech industries. I'm your host, Jordan Olivas, and today I am going to be reviewing the ETA conference. And today will be a solo podcast, which I'm really excited about, as it is the first one that I have done for the duration of this series. So as many of you know, ETA ended uh, maybe 10 days ago, and uh, it was a great show, a lot of great exhibits, a lot of great attendees. Many of you know is a very large ISO show, which is always fun for me as it's a space that I really enjoy visiting with. In addition, I saw a lot of banks, believe it or not, so some of the ma- bigger names there, uh, which may or may not have had a booth, were you know Wells Fargo, Citizens, Bank of America, and several others as well. Some of the trends that I saw were really interesting. One of the biggest trends that I saw was the ISOs that were in attendance weren't necessarily looking for the best schedule A. Although, you know, that's always a topic topic conversation, there was a lot of focus around technology and more specifically around the ISV market. So when you look at the ISV market and we talked to many organizations that were having the same issues, they would go to ISVs They would sign them with the hopes and guarantee that they would be able to onboard ISVs quickly and have 100 merchants within a few months was, well, very difficult and, to be honest, more time-consuming than I think they originally encountered. When I talked to a lot of CEOs and CTOs at several of these ISOs, what I was finding out was that not only from the ISV's perspective, Payments was an afterthought, right? They did not want to worry about it. They already had a payments platform in place or they didn't see it as a huge value add. Even though they saw it as important, overall, it just wasn't at the front of their mind. So when we got into the conversations of how do you accelerate this process, we had a lot come to the front of our mind. You know, some of it being maybe you should offer a financial incentive if if you're not already or possibly even having someone like my organization, RS Software, go in and do the integration for you with the ISPs, which is something we've been doing and we've seen great success in. And what we found out was that a lot of these organizations are, even though they're pushing for ISVs, many of them are simply giving up, which is very interesting because it's a very lucrative proposal. But what they found is that they were better off uh, which sounds kind of counterintuitive, but they were actually starting to go after larger merchants, individual merchants in a traditional sense. So although there was maybe longer sales cycle than a you know quarter million dollar in credit card uh, processing done every year, what they ultimately worked on was going after those three, four, five million dollar individual clients because they found it to be a lot more simplistic and almost worked in the ISV as a referral basis. And I think We'll start to see that more often. Now, if you're an ISO that really does want to focus on the ISV market, I think a good route for you to go to is if you don't already have a technology team that can do the integration for the ISV, you may want to reach out to someone that can provide you those resources on a uh, essentially an ad hoc basis. So you sign a big ISV, they say, yes, we want to move forward, but we do not have the uh, resources to be able to do that. Go ahead and reach out to someone like me. We'd be happy to you know, take a look at it. But another big topic that came about was cash discounting. 
cash discounting for a lot of ISOs. It was a very large revenue generator. Now, this isn't true for every segment. When I talked to each individual one, I found that certain ISOs that targeted certain segments did not like convenience fees. So for for example, restaurant is a very difficult one to get cash discounting right on because it really requires a little bit more explanation at the counter. And so that really increased their operations time, which means you had less tables turning over, so on and so forth. But I think we'll see cash discounting continue to play out through 2018 and well on into 2019, assuming the card networks don't have any sort of binding uh, amount of enforcement on, on that specific topic. If For those of you not know what cash discounting is, it's essentially a reverse surcharge. So although you are leveraging the surcharge, or excuse me, the convenience fee platform on the back end of the processor, ultimately what you're doing is, is you're charging a service fee or um, excuse me, a service fee for using a credit card. So you are giving a discount for using cash. For example, if a bill is $100, you say that is the cash price. If it's $104, well, that is the card price. So you're really differentiating the two. And I'm not going to dive too deep in this, but uh, feel free to reach out to me on this piece, and I'd be happy to talk to anyone a bit more about it. Another big piece that I saw on the technology side was really focused on onboarding. I saw a massive increase in requests in on onboarding platforms. And I think a lot of it ties back to companies like Card Connect and Agreement Express. They have great onboarding platforms, although it's a slightly different execution. What it's really focusing on is that operational efficiency because as many of you know, filling out a merchant statement is extremely time consuming, both in terms of the back and forth between the agent and the merchant, but it's also a lot of work on the back end because if one page doesn't get processed correctly, you go back and forth between underwritings or you, you're losing weeks worth of residual payout. And with these onboarding platforms that you see out there, so whether it be our solution or Agreement Express or somebody else, ultimately, it's going to save you a lot of time, possibly 30 to 60 minutes on each application at a very bare minimum. And that doesn't include all the back and forth and downtime between your organization and the underwriting department, the processor. I think what we'll see is maybe a lot of stopgap solutions. When I say stopgap, what I'm referring to is solutions that aren't necessarily onboarding, pure automated onboarding solutions, but actually solutions that just help save that five or maybe 10 minutes worth of time. And I think we'll start to see that more and more being built in-house as I saw with a couple of my customers, a couple of my contacts as well. With an ETA, I also saw a big request believe it or not, for gateways. When, when we're going through the market and we see some of the gateways out there, whether it be Card Connects or NMI or really anybody else out there in the marketplace, you're really seeing people wanting that control over the data. Uh, just, just at ETA alone, just from my involvement, I had at least half a dozen requests to find out further information and go into uh, additional conversations about our gateway solution. And it was really because, although it may be a more expensive solution, what we found was that people wanted that control over the token. They wanted control over the data flow. And many times, they didn't want it just for a gateway. They they wanted this as a way to actually feed data into other platforms. So some of those platforms were CRMs. Some of them were, were external accounting systems. 
some of them actually weren't even either. They were just random pieces of software that they used for additional reporting. So it was really interesting to have those conversations that were tied around, hey, this is a gateway, this is a way to process a payment. But ultimately, the the payment processing piece was not really the focal point of the conversation. It was really about taking that data, having control and ownership over that data, and then starting to build out a platform that was more than just about payments. Another topic that was fun and interesting to hear about was a lot of ISOs focusing on a specific vertical. Now, we've seen this for quite a few years in the ISO market, and that was someone's going to be looking at automotive, or they're going to be looking at restaurant, or they're going to be looking at retail, whatever that vertical may be. I found a lot of our conversations saying, you know, over the past 10 years, we've really focused on any merchant that wants to come to us. And, you know, we will still take those merchants, but our entire focus right now is focusing on the insert vertical here. And the reason that's important is because they're starting to build technology and build training platforms and really focus their sales agents on a very specific offering. So if I go to a retail outlet and say, I'm going to offer you a terminal solution, I'm going to offer you a rewards program, something that's very specific to your industry, it creates a certain level of stickiness that forces that type of vertical to stay with the ISO regardless of undercutting price. I think we'll continue to see that movement and I think it'll be really interesting to see how the different ISOs play out and maybe how some of the acquisitions may change or fall into place over the coming years. Now, moving away from the ISO conversation, I really want to talk a bit about the market of banks. The banking segment that I spoke with was extremely in-depth in terms of technology needs as well in terms of operational needs. A lot of the requirements that we're seeing from the banks are com- are actually coming away from uh, not just payment platforms, but core banking operations. I had several requests for loan origination platforms as well as uh, reconciliation platforms within the marketplace. And we're starting to see banks spend a lot more money on technology, even more so than what they did in the past. Now, traditionally, banks were a little bit more slow moving and were a little bit more uh, in the mindset of, hey, we're going to focus on making money on the in- on interest. And, you know, there was investment in technology. They spent a lot of there. But I think we're starting to see a lot more of a strategic view instead of trying to simply create a small application to fix one issue. They're starting to build large platforms that will operate in a more uh, seamless way than in the past. As many of you know, banks have very antiquated platforms, both in terms of payments and in terms of operations, and they work and they're very secure, which is what makes them such great platforms. But when you look at PSD2 and some of the other things that are happening in Europe, a lot of these banks are saying, hey, we're going to have to open up some of our APIs eventually to outside sources and we're going to be forced to. And I think a lot of them are preparing for that, uh, both in terms of technology and in terms of mindset and in terms of who they're having conversations with. It's no longer just about, hey, let's take this loan. Let's uh, try to get some value-added services. It's really about being more strategic and having more of a market presence outside of just core banking. The last area of topic that I want to mention here at ETA was the small startups that we ran into. It was really fun to go in and listen to the startup pitches. 
There were some great onboarding solutions. There was uh, a lot of great uh, data organization analytics and machine learning and chatbots. I actually got to run into an organization that it's only a couple people, but they've essentially created a chatbot that works on onboarding merchants automatically. And it was really fun to see that in action. When looking at some of these startups, we're starting to see a lot of heavy investment and the uh, seed funding that's going into these organizations are consisting of millions of dollars. And it's for very specific pieces of merchant onboarding uh, in terms of reporting. And they're able to gather massive amounts of data. And I think you'll continue to see that in this space where a traditional sales agent, well, of course, I'm a you know I'm a sales guy. I believe that the a salesperson can outperform uh, many many applications out there, but people have to rest, and I think that's where a chatbot's gonna have a really interesting piece, especially over the next five to ten years, where someone's gonna be sitting at the computer wanting to be onboarded, underwritten, and they're gonna be able to get instant responses, instant onboarding uh, through a chatbot, and not even know it. I think by ETA 2019, I think we'll start to see more of these companies starting to come up and start to really present themselves in a, a in a more efficient manner. And what I mean by that is they are going to focus on not acquiring merchant portfolios, but they're actually going to work on acquiring more so on the talent side. And that could be in terms of marketing, and that could also be in terms of uh, developers and I think you'll start to see less over the next really five years and you're start, still seeing a lot of consolidation but from the technology and the startup side you'll start to see more acquisition done for those two types of resources versus just a merchant portfolio and when you look at that I'm gonna be I, I don't know what way this is gonna swing but I think you're gonna also see the valuations of portfolios go down when you're looking at a traditional ISO with no technology so you kind of have your standard in a certain area, and I think you're going to see that reduce mainly because there's no reason to pay for that merchant portfolio when I can go off and essentially steal your merchant or acquire someone for a less rate than what it used to cost maybe five or ten years ago. Overall, ETA, once again, a great show. Had a fun time in Las Vegas. Got to meet a lot of great people. If we were not able to meet up at ETA or if you want to learn a bit more about what I experienced, please feel free to reach out to me. As always, please be sure to subscribe and listen to us wherever you get your podcasts, including Apple iTunes or the Google Play Store. Thank you, everybody. Talk to you next month.